Good. If you would, um, turn your Bible to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6. It's a very familiar story. Um, so I'm hoping to throw maybe a little bit different light on it. You know, and, and it's a lot of times hard to preach a really familiar story because everybody's like, oh, I know that. I've known that since I was a kid. So um, hopefully we can put some different uh, perspectives in. As you're getting there, uh, let me pray for us one more time. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, it is a holy word and that it is, you, you, have, you yourself have preserved it for uh, generation after generation and millennia after millennia. You've, you've taken care to preserve your word so that we can know more about you. Lord, thank you that you um, are greater than your word. And that uh, even though we learn so much about you, that, that you're, not, um, you're not just limited, uh, but y- you follow the word, but it, you are greater than it is, and you are, are so awesome. And Lord, we ask that as we open your word today, that you would share with us, Lord, let it not just be an exercise of learning, but pray that you will let it be a, a chance for you to work on our hearts, to change our heart, change our mind, to change our actions, the way we live, maybe a change of perspective, the way we think about things. Oh, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think most of you and hopefully even all you kids in, at home, um, uh, know the story of, of Joshua and Jericho, right? Uh, let me tell you a little bit, maybe a little bit more about Jericho that you, you may not know. And, and I will preface it with this. Uh, you know, when you read stuff about the archaeology around Jericho, some of it is a little bit that they're not sure of, just because as they've done the, the digs, it's like, okay, when is this uh, stuff from? And when exactly was uh, did the people of Israel go into the promised land? And, and between the two of those, it's hard to it's sometimes it's hard to match up. But we do know that the Bible, of course, is accurate. So it says that uh, they came up to Jericho, and, and it looks like uh, from the, what we the description we have, they had, they celebrated the Passover, and then they went up to right up to Jericho, and this would have been during the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. You know, the Passover is, is, um, uh, happens and they go for another week. So it doesn't say a lot in Scripture, but that's what it looks like. Is it's, they're, they're still in this celebration mindset of celebrating the Lord right after the Passover. So the Lord tells Joshua to have the people go to Jericho and to march around Jericho in an orderly fashion. Now, Jericho was, um, uh, let me actually get the numbers here. It's about 10 miles northwest of the Dead Sea. It's about five miles from the southernmost fords. Um, It is uh, about 14 miles from Jerusalem. And it's the first city that you come into uh, when you go into the Promised Land. Now, as most places are, you put your 
largest fortification at the front, right? I, I keep getting reminded. I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, no, I'm not going to share this. But uh, I, a, a, a pastor of mine said, you know what? If somebody wanted to invade the United States, I'd, I'd say, okay, invade Texas. If you can get through Texas, we'll give you the rest of the country. Because Texas is huge, and everybody in Texas has a gun, and it's, it's fortified. Okay, you put the largest fortification at the front, at where the attack could come, and that is what Jericho was. Now we might think of Jericho as a as a big place. It really wasn't that big. It was, uh, from what we can tell from archaeology, it's probably about ten acres. So not that big of a place. It's about ten acres. If I, I I did some quick math, if you if you were to put that into a square, it'd be about two hundred and twenty yards one way and two hundred twenty yards the other way. So a couple of football fields, you know, one direction and a couple the other way. Not a huge place, uh, but very very well fortified. The the wall on it. So they had a. Um, uh, a retaining wall that was about ten to fifth. I'm sorry, twelve to fifteen feet high. Then on top of that was a mud brick wall, six feet thick, and twenty to twenty six feet high. And then on top of that was another um, level of mud brick that rose up to around forty six feet from the ground level. So we're talking of about four stories, or maybe just over four stories tall. So this is a tall fortif- This is a tall wall. And you've got a, the people of Israel who greatly outnumbered those, those of Jericho. They, they think that probably around 2,000 people would have lived inside the city, and then you had people who lived around outside the city that would, have, would come into town when there was um, some sort of threat. And, of course, it says that Jericho was locked up tight. The doors were shut. Nobody was going in or out. They were there for a a long wait for the children of Israel. And think, the children of Israel, they don't have a lot of, of, of war experience. They had a little bit. They don't have a lot of war machinery. They've been walking around the wilderness for 40 years. It's not like they could go up to this uh, 40-something-foot-tall wall and start building... You know, war. You know, whether it's ladders or, or or anything to try to tear this wall down, they're coming up against a very very fortified place. Now they outnumbered them greatly, but they would basically have to go and wait. But God had a different plan. He tells Joshua, "I want you to go and march around the city." Now I don't know if I know we have some people. Um, who've had some military experience. But I, I don't know if you can imagine being at West Point and a guy saying, okay, this is how you go and conquer a fortified place. I want you to put your priests out there in the front, let them dress up in their robes, and I want them to walk in blowing uh, horns, trumpets. Walk in. Then I want you to just follow along behind them and we're going to put the Ark of the Covenant in there, you know, that is, is the mobile presence of God. And we're just, going to, we're just going to walk around the place and see what happens. Not the, 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 that would seem really crazy. You know, go into Afghanistan. I want you to have all these. I'm going to put my chaplains out there in front. 
because the chaplains can't carry a gun. You're going to have the chaplains go out and they're going to they're going to have they're going to wave banners and have all this fanfare and we're going to walk into Afghanistan because we you know all the people in Afghanistan love Christian chaplains. And you would say, that is the most ridiculous plan I've ever heard. But this was God's plan. Send the priests out, and I want everyone to march around. Go and march around once. Next day, march around again. Next day, march around again. To the seventh day, and it says they got up early in the morning and marched around seven times. Now, there was one other thing that I didn't add in there. Don't say a word. Okay, I've, I've heard of being stealthy, but don't. How do you communicate? I um, when I was in when I was in uh, school, we had for one of my classes we had to do a silent retreat. So I believe uh, we had to be there at like 8 o'clock in the morning, I think it was. It was fairly early. And we went to a, um, a convent that wasn't too far from our seminary. And we had to be completely silent from like 8 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, for me, I was really, really grateful. It was a beautiful spring day. And usually warm for spring in Massachusetts. And I could go outside and... And I went out and I just, I sat down and I, I talked to the Lord and prayed. And there was a, a, a paper I was working on, so I prayed with the Lord. I talked to him about that. And, but then, I tell you, we, it came to lunchtime. And you go in and there's this buffet lunch and you're all in there together. And let me tell you, when you're with people and you're supposed to be talking and you can't, oh, it was hard. I tell you, that was so difficult for me. And what, once we got to the 4 o'clock and they said, okay, you can talk now. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, I, I can spend time with the Lord, but when I'm with people, I'm supposed to be talking to them. And yet here, God tells them, okay, not a word. This is what Joshua, not Joshua tells the people, don't talk. Yes, Lord? <laughs> the people at home were going, what was he saying? So, the... Joshua has the people not to say anything until he declared and the, the trumpet sounded and then they shouted for victory. And I can just see because when you're talking 600,000 people, which is about what the armies of Israel were, surrounding this little 10-acre spot, I'm sure they went all the way around it. And then all of a sudden you have a shout from every end. And what it says is the walls fell flat. Now, what, I, what I'm imagining, and it, I think archaeological evidence supports it, but like I said, it's kind of a little bit sketchy, but what I'm imagining is that the walls didn't crumble. Because when you're talking 40 feet of rubble, you don't go right up into town after the wall crumbles. There's a whole bunch of rubble that you have to get over. What I'm seeing is the walls just go whoop, like a curtain underneath the ground. Except for Rahab's place. And some of the, the archaeologists, what they found is one place in the wall that actually didn't go down. It's speculation. But you know what? It lands up with, the, it lands up with Scripture. 
Rahab's place stood up. But then it says that all the people went in and they had placed Jericho under what they call the ban. What this means is that God said, it's all mine. Every man, woman, boy, girl, all the cattle, all the, all the dogs and cats and, and all the silver and gold, everything in it is mine. So they did. They, they, they slaughtered everybody, took all the silver and gold, brought it into the temple, or not the temple at the time, but it was in, it was in the storehouses of God. And everything went to him. So they burned Jericho to the ground, whatever was left. And uh, Joshua actually pronounced a curse over it that if they tried to fortify it again, if they put um, uh, gates up, if they tried to make it into a town again, that it would be at the cost of, um, uh, says it should lay, lay the foundation, um, be the loss of the firstborn if the foundations are laid and the loss of the youngest um, if they set up the gates. And later in scripture, we see that happens. Now, people came and lived around Jericho, but they didn't make it into a fortified settlement until later in scripture. And we see that that pronouncement of the curse by Joshua actually came to pass. Now, my question for us today is when you come up to a Jericho, whether that's a personal Jericho or maybe even a corporate Jericho, how should we act? You see, we, I think the devil oftentimes does the same thing with us. He, you know, we, we get ready to go somewhere. We get ready to do something good for the Lord. And the devil will throw up his greatest um, strongholds first. We'll see what they do with this. Maybe that's a personal battle, right? I'm going to read my Bible and pray more this year. So what happens? The next three or four weeks, your days are so filled up. You've got everything in the world that just comes up in front of you. You've got things at work and you've got things at home and you've got, you've got weather and you've got everything in the world will come up so that you don't make that happen. Anybody else ever been there? Is it just me? Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> okay? So you, you, you plan to do... And, all of a sudden, there's a Jericho wall. And it seems to be that that Jericho is insurmountable. I'm going to give up this bad habit. Whatever that habit is for you. I'm going to stop watching this on TV. Or I'm going to stop doing this uh, thing. I'm going, I'm going to be more disciplined in this area. I'm going to, and what, what happens is there's that wall that comes up. And you know what? That wall seems absolutely insurmountable. It is high, it is thick, and there is no way that you're going to get around it. Maybe we are saying, okay, you know what? We're going to start reaching Willimantic in this way. We're going to go after the college campus. 
we're going to we're going to make it so that it's hard to go to hell in Willimantic. What's going to happen? I guarantee you, there's going to be a wall that's you know 400 feet high and you know 15, 20 feet thick. Oh yeah, you think so? But know this: that you know, the first thing we need to understand is that God wants you to succeed even more than you want yourself to succeed. God wants you to succeed even more than you yourself want you to succeed. It's, it's great here in, in ch- chapter 6, it started, starting on verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut. Big wall, big gates, it's shut. That's it. No one went out. No one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do it for six days, etc., etc. You, you just told you the story. He's a good father, and he wants you to conquer. A, a lot of it is a change of heart and a change of perspective. I have given you the city already. And then he's going to tell you how to do it. But a lot of it is this change of perspective, realizing that God wants us to succeed. He's a good father and he wants you to succeed in what he has called you to do. If he's, he's, if he's told you Hey, this is how I want you you to change. This is how I want you to change your life and change your heart. Because again, maybe that's getting rid of a bad habit. Maybe that's becoming more disciplined. Maybe that's getting more into the Bible and prayer. Maybe that's hey, I want you to minister to this person or to this group of people. Maybe that is I want you to start this ministry. Maybe that's I want you to spend more time with your family. Maybe that's I want you to pray for this person until they get saved. Whatever that is, and the Lord has dropped it on your heart, He wants you to succeed. And there's a change of thought and a change of mind and a change of heart that needs to happen. We'll talk more about this in just a minute at the next point. But it comes down to a faith change because God is going to honor a lot of times what your faith is. Let me, let me say that one more time. God is going to honor what you're believing for. If God had told Joshua, said, I want you to go and to, to go in and I want you to conquer Jericho. I have given you the city. Remember, they tried this before. The, when, the, when the Israelites went in and sent the spies in, they came back and said, no, we can't do it. What did God say? Take another lap. Right? If Joshua, I've given this to you. No, I don't think so. Do you think it would have been a success? 
I was um, I was up here at the church earlier in the week, and and uh, I just happened to step outside, and uh, I was looking up and down the street, and I said, I I had the thought, what if we thought differently of Willimantic? What if we saw it totally differently? What if we saw it? If we looked up and down Main Street, what if we started to see it as revived? What if we started to see it as a place where God came to totally revive this area? What if we started seeing it in our hearts uh, and started to believe, you know what, this place isn't isn't a place where there, there may be there may be crime, or there may be drugs, or there may be, I mean, we, we've got the, the women's center just a couple of doors down. What if we said, this isn't a place where, where abortion is going to be something that, that happens regularly. This, what if we started believing for a totally changed area around this place? And we started looking at it through eyes of faith instead of through eyes of flesh. Because God has put us here. And he said, this is your place, right? And if he said it, we need to get it into our hearts to begin to believe it, that if, if he said it, he wants it for us. And there's not going to be anything that stops us from getting to where he wants us to be except for us. There's no demon in hell that's big enough to stop it. There's nothing in the flesh out there that can stop it. The only thing that can stop it is if we decide not to do it. It's okay, you can say ouch. (laughs) But the first thing is to have the perspective shift that God has given it to us. Maybe that's you individually, that God said, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, or give up X, Y, and Z. If he said it, it's yours. Start believing it and act like it. But next, you know, we have to follow his commands. And those commands, well, they may seem really silly on the outside. But it's about how we act in faith. Now, one of the things that that Joshua had them do is he, he said, I don't, Nobody say a word. Now that's really that's really odd. Don't talk. And I did some research on this, and, and honestly, from what I have read, people don't have a really good grasp on it. I'll give you some other. I'll give you some uh, a little bit of of background. Number one, do you remember when the Israelites came up to the Red Sea? And they've got Egypt coming up right behind them. And they all, of a, they, they all go to Moses and say, Moses, did you just bring us out here to kill us? And then Moses turns to God and says, God, did you just bring us out here to kill us? He said, what are you talking to me for? He said, stretch out the rod. He said, I will deliver you as you keep silent. Now, isn't it really interesting that the first thing they, they come up to in the promised land, and Joshua says, be quiet, stay silent. They've got the trumpets blaring all the way around, but you all 
be quiet. By the way, the trumpets are a sign of the presence of God, that God was coming to judge. Remember when God came down on Mount Sinai, trumpets, and all the people going, God, let's not go up to the mountain, we might die. Keep your finger there, and we're not going to discuss this, but I just want to show you something to you. Keep your finger there in Joshua 6. Flip over to the book of Revelation, chapter number 8. I just want you to see how, how cool God is. Can I say that? How all of this fits together. It's amazing. By the way, how many trumpets in Joshua? How many priests blowing trumpets? Seven. Revelation 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. There was what in heaven? For how long? For about half an hour, right? Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and, and seven trumpets were given to them. They came and they stood at the altar holding the golden censer, and which are the prayers of the saints, and then you get the trumpets to come out. Right? Isn't that amazing? There's silence and trumpets right there together. And then the trumpets come and God's pouring out his judgments. He's doing it. By the way, one of the interpretations of the angels there, remember um, it says to the angels of the, of the seven churches in, the, in you know, chapter 2 and 3, the same angels, the, the, the ministers of those churches. And you've got the priests that go out with the trumpets in Joshua. So what is the deal with the silence? There's a couple of things. Number one, there I, I believe there's probably some element of, of liturgy to it. Uh, there was silence when, when they went in and offered some of the sacrifices. Um, but I think, and, and I can't prove this in Scripture, okay? So like, I like to tell you when I kind of take a little bit of a step off onto a, a limb. But I think that this slippery thing in here between our teeth gets us in trouble. And I think Joshua knew that. And he said, zip it. Because when God says, I want you to go march around this city, keep your swords in their sheath, I'm going to have the, the, the ministers out in front of you and they're going to blow the trumpets. I can just see, you know, Joab going up to, um, uh, up to Jeremiah saying, this Joshua character, what is he thinking? This is, the, this is the most ridiculous plan I've ever heard of. And then he turns around and said, are you tired of walking yet? And Zedekiah says, Man, my feet hurt. I, can't, I have no idea why we're doing this. I've been training for battle for the last 20 years, and what happens? We walk around. Hello? And our tongues get us in trouble because we start talking, we start either we start complaining, we start griping, which is what the people of Israel did in the wilderness, right? They griped and complained about Moses. They griped and complained about the manna. They griped and complained about the water. They griped, hello? And I think a lot of times God just says, be quiet so I could do something. 
And we need to, we need to get that faith into our hearts. We need to get the faith into our hearts and let our hearts and our minds silence all the complaints and silence all the criticism and silence all the negative thoughts and negative emotions and the fear and the everything else and just focus on doing what God has said to do. There was a, um, back during World War II, there was a slogan that said, loose lips sink ships. You, you all ever heard that? Um, there was a, uh, um, a representative named Andrew Jackson May. He was representative out of uh, Kentucky. And he happened to be on the, um, uh, one of the military committees. And he made this offhand comment and said, uh, you know, uh, the reason why our subs are so successful is the, the Japanese don't realize that we, we go a lot deeper. Than, we go a lot deeper with our subs than what they think we do. And all of their depth charges go off before, you know, too high. And the press picked that up. And all of a sudden, the Japanese start setting their depth charges a lot deeper. It says that the Navy estimates it lost 10 subs and 800 crew members because of the comment. This little thing here will get us into trouble. That's why James says it's the hardest thing to tame. And I think sometimes we just need to be quiet and believe that God's going to do what he said he's going to do and we just have to follow and obey. Even if obedience looks really, really crazy, and sometimes it will, that's okay. If God said, do it, you do it. And then the last... Thing. We, we need to remember we have to have that, that mindset shift that God, if God wants us to do something, he wants it even more for us than we do, right? We got to obey. And a lot of that means keeping silent. We also have to give God all the glory. It said that he put everything under the ban. And I, I, I told you what that meant. And, then we gave, and, and honestly, it's, it's hard for us, especially today, in a, in a time that our warfare is very, very, um, uh, we, we, it's very frowned upon, and, and rightly so, that there should be any collateral damage besides military targets. And we don't understand today that when it says that the people of Israel went in and they killed everybody, Man, woman, boy, girl, child, infant, you know, um, uh, pregnant women, you know, you name it, they killed it. All the dogs, all the cats, all the cows, all the sheep, all the goats, they killed it. And that's really, really difficult for us to understand. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, it's just, that's what God told them to do, and they did that. And a lot of, for the people at least, was because, um, God did not want the people 
to influence the Israelites and bring them to following other gods. And in a way, they had a chance. Right? They knew that Israel was coming. They knew that they, the fear of God was upon them in Jericho. And Rahab took it. And Rahab said, I'm going with you. I know your God is the God, and I, I, I'm, I'm done with them. I'm going with you. And I believe, I mean, I can't prove it in Scripture, but I believe if other people had done that and said, you know what? You can have the rest. I'm going to accept your God. I'm going to follow you. The people of Israel are going to say, come on. You, get, you, now you have to be part of us. You're going, to, you're going to accept our God, and you're going to go through the, the, the ritual, purification ritual that we had to go through, and you, but you, you could be part of us. So there was that option, and they chose not to. Now, know this. Everyone who chooses not to accept Jesus, they may not die physically immediately, but when they die physically, they will die eternally. But the biggest thing we have to remember here is that when God gives them the victory, He doesn't want anyone touching, keeping anything that is His. And the thing that God doesn't want anybody else to grab more than anything is His glory. It's His glory. That's one thing that he doesn't share with anyone. And as we um, as we start to see God do many things, we need to make sure that he receives all the glory. Because the, the quickest way to, to, to kill a revival is to start saying, hey, look what I did. And I don't expect any of you all to have that problem. I really don't. I expect you, you guys I, I know are ones that, that give the Lord all the credit anyway. So I, I don't expect that from our group. But I want us to always, if we always keep the focus, right? If we always are aware of what could happen, we won't make them set the mistakes. Because it's, a, it's really easy, and we'll see this later on, it's really, really easy to say, Boy, that gold sure looked good. What if I just take a little bit and I hide it? We'll see this with AI coming up. But these were the first fruits. And I want to give you just a little um, a little blurb about first fruits. Uh, Jericho was the first fruits of when they walked into the promised land. And it, God, had, God gave a command to the Israelites to offer uh, you know, a portion of their first fruits to him. So it's like if you, if you it was an ag- agrarian society, so if they, um, well, we, we, uh, we had tomatoes and peppers out the ears this summer. So, so you get your first ripe tomatoes. And you know you you get you get those tomatoes and uh, they've just 
come, you know, and you've got lots coming, right? But you just get the first ripe ones. And so you take those first ripe ones and you, and you, you take some to the Lord and you say, okay, Lord, thank you for this harvest. Thank you in advance for this harvest. And I think we can do the exact same thing with our giving. And I don't want to put it, make it a law, okay? It's not, if you get, uh, I've heard some people say, you know, if you get a, a new job, your entire first paycheck, you need to make sure and give to God. I don't want to put a law around it, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not legalistic. The, the, the point is, is to have a heart that says, I'm going to thank God just because I want to thank God. And so maybe it, maybe you get a, a, a bonus or maybe you get a little something in or maybe you get a little uh, something else that you say, you know what, I just want to I just want to say have an extra way that I can say thank you to the Lord. So so you give an extra something. And I want to challenge you say just just see what happens. If you and this isn't about giving, it's about being thankful. It's about it's not about your money, it's about your heart and about giving God the glory. Right? In a way that we can say, Lord, you did this for me is by giving him the glory. And maybe that's maybe it is money, or maybe it's time. Or maybe it is maybe maybe you've got tomatoes and, and peppers and you just say, You know what, I'm breaking them, I'm gonna share. God's given us a lot in here. But it's a way to be thankful to God and to offer him on regular, semi-regular basis just a way to say, Lord, you've been good. This is, a, this is above what I normally do, but I just want to say thanks. Whatever he puts on your heart, like I said, don't make it, don't make it a legalistic thing that you have to do this and you have to do it every week or you have to do it every quarter or year just a way to say lord you know you you did something really great and i want to i want to give you glory for it a way that we can give god the first fruit offering and give him the glory that he deserves for what he's done for us so what's your jericho what walls have you come up against? What, what things in your life seem insurmountable? Privately, corporately? What are those things that you've wrestled with for years that you just can't break, just can't get over? God so wants it more for you than you do. He wants you to have it. Those promises, those freedoms. He wants you to have it. Start believing it. And whatever he says to do to follow, to follow, to get the victory in that. Whether it's a victory over something individual or if it's a victory of let's go take this area. We're going to take it for the Lord. Whatever that victory is, let's follow whatever he says to do. Maybe individually it's, hey, get, get together with an accountability person. Maybe it's somebody say, you know what? Ask me if I'm reading my Bible and praying every day. Okay. Or maybe it's, you know, ask me, you know, I'm, 
you know, I wake up and I kick the dog every morning when I get up just because I want to kick something, so it's a dog. Okay, kidding, just an example. All right, so, so you, ask, you ask somebody, say, you know what, would you ask me if I kicked the dog this week? Right, that's accountability. What is God saying for you to do to break those walls down? And let's do it. Individually, corporately, whatever it takes. And then let's make sure. Make sure. If you don't do anything else, make sure that whatever God does, we give him all the glory, all the credit. Everything that's doing, I don't, let's not hold anything back. Whether that is just praising him for hours and hours and hours on end, or giving offerings, or telling more people what he's done, whatever he said, any way that we can give him glory, let's do. He deserves it all anyway. And so, you know, whatever we whatever we do is is still not enough, but we can offer as much as we can. Amen. So let's let's see those walls broken down. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for those here. I thank you for all those who are uh, listening online. I don't know who all's on there this morning. But I, I believe the Negrones are, and the Ingdals, and the Tracys, and Lord, thank you. Um, for everyone that you have called here this morning. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that all of those Jerichos in our lives that you've given to them, you've given those to us as land that's ours. And Lord, I pray that you will enable us, show us how, how to take it, show us how to take that land, and give us the fortitude, the strength, the ability, the everything it is that we need to obey you, oh Lord, give that to us. not easy to obey you a lot of times. So whatever it is that it takes, it's going to take to obey you. Lord, bless us with it. And let us help each other. We may not be able to do it individually, but we can together. So Lord, I ask that you would eat with each person here that you would help everyone to identify those things. Identify those Jerichos. And Lord, thank you that you are moving heaven and earth right now to give us that land. Lord, we thank you. I bless each person here this week. I bless them with protection everywhere they go. I, I declare right now a, a wall of fire to be about them, a holy fire from the Lord that 
that they will that nothing will come near them to hurt them to harm them in any way that every uh sickness or virus or accident or injury uh must be kept at bay and they will not approach any person here and lord i i ask right now also that you would um uh provide for each one that's listening today whether here or online provide abundantly for each person whatever it is that they need to do your will lord provide it for them whether that's finances or if it's fortitude if it is uh, health or whether it is um, uh, any uh, uh, if, if they need strength and they need they just need ammunition for the fight lord provide it for them and lord you're awesome we give you glory and honor and praise and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.